This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Whoever wrote Forrest Gump should probably sue the screenwriter of this film. Oh, wait, it's the same person? That makes sense. It's the curious case of Benjamin Button, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 15th episode of This Film is Lit. On today's episode, we're breaking down the 2008 film based on the I Don't Know the Year film, Moot Book, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button by F. Scott Fitzgerald, right? Yes. Do we have Guess Who? Yes. Am but I going to get them all right? It's going to be a little different, all I right. think. Um, Let's do it then. It's time for Guess Who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. Okay, so there wasn't a whole lot of character description in this. It's a very short story. It's yes. It's like 20, 30 pages long. Yeah. Um, and somehow a three-hour movie. Yeah, right. Which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um. So there is one character description other than Benjamin, um, but she was cut slash changed. Yeah. Um, So I have two things here and what I thought it might be fun to do. um, They're both Benjamin. And I thought maybe you could guess what age he's supposed to be. Now, when I guess the age, am I guessing his his age in life? Like. His actual age, not the age he looks like. Um, right? I'm guessing, like... Yeah, okay. yeah, let's yeah, do his it His actual like age, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, we wouldn't know what age he looks like, technically. We would only know how old he is, and thus... Right, yeah, right. Okay. okay, okay, go ahead, sorry. All right. His sparse hair was almost white, and from his chin dripped a long, smoke-colored beard, which waved absurdly back and forth, Fanned by the breeze coming in the window. I don't think he ever has a beard. In the, maybe, maybe one. I can't remember now. I have to remember back to the beginning of this three hour long film. <laughs> <laughs> um, why he's got, he's got to be under 30. Mm-hmm. I think. Although right around 30, he still looked a little, he looked old, you know, he had white hair ish. Mm-hmm. I assume he was around thirty about the time he was mingling with uh what's her name? Tilda the swimmer. Swinton. Yeah, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Probably around thirty ish, I think, in that ballpark. So mm-hmm. uh I'll say he is this is a this could be anything. How could I ever get this right? Um ten. 
Um, this is when he's born. Oh. It's our very first description of him. Does not have a beard in the film no. when he's born. Well, it, it's one of the things, one of many things, that the movie changes. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's something I want to talk about later, okay. I think. Okay. Um, okay, so here's our other one. He had more hair, and it was of a dark gray. His step was firm. His voice had lost its cracked quaver and descended to a healthy baritone. All right, here's my guess. His step was firm. That took quite a while in the film. I'll say 25. He is 18 Mm. at this point. You're pretty close. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, no, he was walking pretty fine by then. Yeah. Because when he was... He was probably like 13 or 14 in the film. He was walking okay, now that I think mm-hmm. about it. Fair enough. And it's hard to tell yeah. in the movie, too, because they don't always say, like, no. how many years they, he's been alive. I thought it was interesting that they chose not to, uh, and I guess I get why they did it, but they chose not to use any um, uh, on-screen like title cards mm-hmm. for, like, what year it was. Yeah. Because we know he was born in 1918 because that's when World War One ended. So we right. like have a firm like this is when he was born date. Uh, and then we kind of you have to piece it together based on context clues of like, OK, well, it's World War Two now. So he's mm-hmm. he's got to be, what you know, 25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little surprised they didn't make it a little more clear. There are a few scenes where people say like how old he is or he says how old he is. But a lot of the times you're just kind of guessing, which I, it didn't really bother me. But. At times, there, it did actually bother me, and I guess we can get into it later, but, like, there were times where certain character interactions, I was trying to figure out, like, how old is he supposed to, mm-hmm. like, like, like when he's having sex with prostitutes, I'm like, yeah, is like, he 15, 16, is he 12, like, know. is he, eight, you know, and it was a little kind of, like, Because that made that. me kind of uncomfortable, like, not knowing how old he was supposed to yeah. be when they go to the brothel. Yeah, and now it's the 19... 19- 30s or 20s so i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if he was 13 or something but yeah it was one of those things where it's just like i just kind of want to yeah it's just kind of like especially i think in a moment like that like give us some kind of clue because it's weird yeah yeah you can even write a line in about you know about how uh because he does a, you know, he narrates the whole thing journal Mm -hmm. style yeah you can even have a line about make it even a joke if you want I mean, they play it a visual joke where he's like has sex like fifty times in one night with a prostitute because he's like a horny teenager. Yeah, but they could even throw a line in just so we know about like she wasn't expecting a uh, seventy year old to screw like he was fifteen or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if it would have been better, but there were moments like that throughout the film (laughs) where I was like, "How old is he supposed?" Uh, All right. But it wasn't a big deal. Okay. So I'm both wrong, but these don't count. We're yeah, scratching yeah, this one from the I, record. Yeah, I'm good with of that. guess who. <laughs> Not that we even know what my tally is, but this one doesn't <laughs> count. Episode 15 was a no-go on the guess who. Fake guess who. All right. Uh, well, let's move right along then to... Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read... All right, Katie, I have a few things. Uh, first, mainly, anything other than the basic premise. Um, no, not really. It, 
Much like um, if you listen to our episode on the birds, yeah, um, was another one that took like the very basic premise of a short story and applied it to an almost completely different story. Yeah, um, this is one is a, a little bit more similar than like the birds was. Um, there is a character named Benjamin Button in both right. stories. Yeah, well, that's the title of... <laughs> they are the same title, right? Yeah. Of, yeah, the yeah. story and the film, so that makes sense. But that's what I had a feeling. I mean, I had not had a feeling. I, I pretty much knew when you have a 20-page short story right. and a two-hour and 47-minute oh God, this movie. film, there's no way that... There's just no way yeah. that it's no. anything other than the loosest inspiration from and so we'll get into some more specific little things that i kind of just wondered Mm -hmm. um and none of these i don't know if any of these are even things where i'm like "Mm, that's it feels like something they added for the movie except for one i guess we'll do that one first the thing that i felt really confident that they added for the film was the frame story yeah of uh the spoilers daughter of benjamin button reading Mm mm-hmm his journal on on her mother's deathbed on Kate Blanchett's deathbed. Um, so that's obviously not. No, that's not. It's literally yeah. just the story of like we just. You just yeah, like, it's just a short story about him. About him. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. That's that's. Is it even? Is it in journal form at all, or is it no. like first person or anything like that? Or no, it's like third person. Like it's basically just a recount. This a is recounting the tale of, of his life. I mean, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of. exactly. Okay, that's that's what I figured, and that's why that's why I wanted to wonder. So the the frame story for the film is that yes, it, like we said, it's his Benjamin Button and Kate Blanchett's daughter, um, who she did not realize she was the daughter of. Benjamin Button. Right. I actually had a slight issue with how. I mean, well, one, we laughed out loud in the moment where she figured it out. Yeah. Which is a problem in a movie <laughs> like this. Well, as soon as Kate Blanchett's character got pregnant, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's and they where have we're a, going. They have a throwaway. I felt like they handled that whole reveal really poorly and that it felt. It was so obvious to the audience. Yeah. And the, it felt like the daughter was so uh, like oblivious to the fact until she literally saw her name in the journal. Yeah. That it, and then she has this reaction moment. We bit when she reacts to the fact she's like, wait, Benjamin's my father. We were like, <laughs> <laughs> like we both like started laughing because it's silly because it was super obvious to the audience because, OK, well, she, there's a throwaway line, like I was saying, about how. Oh, when did you meet dad? Mm-hmm. Like she asked uh, Kate Blanchett, when did you meet dad? And she says, not long after this. Yeah. Whatever. Um, which is a lie. I mean, because <laughs> she'd already met him <laughs> at this point, but I <laughs> guess it's a poetic lie or whatever the fuck you want. So, um, but there's that throwaway line. That's the only like misdirection she gets or we get. Right. Is that, oh, I met him not long after this. But it becomes so apparent because of Kate Blanchett's age. Yeah. What year yeah. she's pregnant. And now they give you a little try to give you a little more misdirection for at least a moment when it seems like she fell down the stairs and might have had a miscarriage. Right. But it's immediately resolved that. Nope. Didn't have Every, a miscarriage. Yeah, everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. Everything fine. Everything's there fine. was blood all over the stairs, but, she's but everybody's fine. fine. Baby's fine. She's fine. Blood everywhere. We're all fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and I guess what they could have, what they should, what I felt like would have helped make it not so silly, because we go from a whole bunch of time in Benjamin Button's story, uh, 
it, like within the narrative of the film and not the frame story. Mm-hmm. And then we don't ever cut back to uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, um, Catherine, some, whatever the daughters. Oh, been, it was like Carolyn or something. Yeah, something like, like that. that. We we only cut back to her at the final moment when she realizes. Yeah. What would have helped a lot is if, in my opinion, is if they had cut back once or twice at moments where it was obvious, like where we were starting to go, oh, this is probably her. Mm -hmm. And we saw her start to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where we start to see her like, like look at her mom kind of like, are you? Like, 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 why are you telling me? Yeah. Or like inquisitively, like, yeah, is this, is this me about me? Like, but there's none of that. It just goes from, Oh, you, yeah, I met your dad after this. Next time we're back in that world, she's like, wait, Benjamin Button's my dad. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. I just wish they had some buildup of, because it's so obvious to us when it's this revelation to her, it's like, are you an idiot? Like what, yeah. when you knew what years all of this stuff was happening. I don't know. So, yeah, that was the frame story has its problems. But in my opinion, it's an interesting idea of how to tell that story. Yeah, I I don't I guess I don't think it was necessary. No, like at all, honestly. No, and especially and we'll get into it later, but especially when you get to like. The I don't want to say twist, but like the weird reveal at the end of the film of like when this frame story is. I mean, and there are hints throughout the film of when it but like. It felt like, what's the point? Uh, I don't know. Um, My main takeaway from this movie was that every single scene could have been about, like, 50% shorter and still achieved the exact same impact. So... I don't know if it's every single scene, but it's definitely a lot of scenes. That could have been... And now we talked about this while we were watching it. I never... I don't know if I ever got bored watching the movie oh i was bored there were moments throughout where i got a little bored but never like super like oh my god there maybe towards the second half that last third maybe there Mm -hmm. were moments where i was like all right come on um but overall most of it i thought was interesting enough and and because i didn't know what was going to happen and and i think they did a good job with the trailers in this one they never show you they last time I think the youngest slash oldest you ever see him in the trailers is that scene where he's riding his motorcycle, yeah. like current age, bear yeah. pit, like forties or whatever. So I was always like wondering, like, where is this? What is gonna happen mm-hmm. when he starts, you know, aging back to like little kid or like? Right. You know, I was kind of interested in what was gonna happen. I didn't like what happened necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, anyways, but. Um, so that was that was the hook that kept me interested. It's like, so what's going to where is this going to go? How is this going to wrap up? I found the wrap up spoilers uh, un interesting kind mm-hmm. of or sort of like un uh, it just kind of fizzled out for me. But still, I was interested until it did fizzle. That yeah. I was like wondering what was going to happen. Anyways. All right. We got to move along. Um, on was that in the book? Uh, this one. Mr. Gateau, Mr. Cake, and his backwards clock. Okay, this is no, that's not in the story. Neither, no. none of that. None of that is in the story. And I'm it's I fascinating. Just, I, what was the point? Oh, well, I got the point. I understood the like, point. Like, I understand the point from a thematic viewpoint, yeah. for, but from a storytelling viewpoint, I don't get it. You're, you're not wrong. 
because there's no real reason. Like, it, it, they never really connect the clock no, they to don't. him. You're right. And that's where I thought that was going. I was like, is his mother going to get, like, struck by lightning under the clock while she's pregnant with him? What is going to happen? Even but if, nothing, nothing yeah, happened. Because even maybe it's just the way that the story was told, and I have to see it again to make sure, but I don't, I, I, I kept waiting for something like this. If they had done parallel action of his wife giving birth or mm-hmm. uh, his his wife, his mom giving birth to Benjamin Button mm-hmm. and them doing the ceremony of the backwards clock. Mm-hmm. Like, so those things are happening at the same time and they start the clock and then we cut to her screaming and Benjamin's yeah. born. And it's like, oh, it's the same moment or yeah, something. You know something, what I mean? Something, something, something like that. Anything. Because without that connection, it's just a weird backwards clock that's in the story for no reason. Yeah, and it sets up at the beginning, and it doesn't tie in at all, really, Mm -hmm. other than it's in New Orleans. Um, Yeah, it's very strange. I felt like if they had done it, because I was expecting them to do it this way, like I said, where they tie it in, where they narratively tie it into his story somehow, other than just, like, yeah, like you said, thematically, kind of. Thematically, it works. Narratively, there's no reason for it. Also, it feels like they forgot that they did it because oh, we don't 200%. see it. Ag- we don't see it again until the end of the movie. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, about that clock. <laughs> oh, they also took the clock down. Yeah. Well, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. And then it gets flooded by spoilers, Katrina, because that's what happens at the end of this movie. I, this I, like th- this movie's really a mess. Like, it's kind it of really a mess. It just kind of is. It's like a, it's like a sweet saccharine like. Mess. Mess. Like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, and it felt like they didn't really know where they were going with it. It is, and I don't want to get in too much of the comparisons to Forrest Gump, as I alluded to in the intro, because you've never seen Forrest Gump, and we're going to do it for the podcast eventually, because it is based on a book. Um, And it's another one where they change a lot from the book, from what I understand. But, so it's the same screenwriter, and it hits a lot of the same elements, but I feel like the Forrest Gump must have had a, either had a much more focused structure that he pulled from mm-hmm. in in the book or or something, that ha- or it had a more concrete ending and, a, and more of a concrete arc and journey for that character, yeah. whereas this felt like they were doing the same thing, but they didn't know where they were going with it. Well, I... I mean, I haven't read Forrest yeah. Gump yet, which I'm really glad that I haven't seen that movie, though, even though people always give me weird looks when I say that. I, I mean, it's seen a great it film because I, I get to read the book like pure. Yeah. All, and I, it's interesting it's, all I know is that it's about chocolate. It's supposedly very different. OK, I'm excited. Um, anyway, so I haven't read Forrest Gump, so I can't like comment to the differences. But like the curious case of Benjamin Button, the short story is it's a concept. Yeah. It's this, it's a concept about a guy who ages Ages backwards backwards, and there's not a whole lot more to it. Like we see different parts of his life, but basically what I theorize happened is that the screenwriter was given this bare, these bare bones and just went hog wild filling them out. Yeah. And somebody should have done reined him in. I don't even think my biggest problem isn't that he went hogwell filling it out because I could see this movie working in the same way that Forrest Gump works. One of the biggest problems for me, the reason that it doesn't work is that if you've ever seen Forrest Gump, you're like, oh, I've seen this movie. 
kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different, but it it does, it does a similar, very similar thing, just with a like an added like weird sci-fi twist to it. Not sci-fi, but you know, whatever, like a fantasy twist to right. it. But it's a very similar type thing of like a sort of an ordinary guy who goes through a lot of extraordinary life, ev- somewhat extraordinary life events, and there's a lover who comes in and out of his life, and you know, without spoiling Forrest Gump, and so. I mean, there's even a fucking plot element, plot points about him learning to walk and shit like that. Like, uh-huh. it's so very similar in a lot of ways. The problem this one has is that Forrest Gump had a an ending. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if it did from the book, but the movie feels like it ends. Like, yeah. it feels like it was going somewhere the whole time. It even has a very similar frame story where it's somebody telling the story of the man's life. It's I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's the same fucking movie. It's ridiculous. Um... But it felt like it was going somewhere. This one, I never, I, I never felt like it was going somewhere. And then when, when we finally ended, I was like, oh, it wasn't. And now you can argue, and I understand. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Thus is life. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Thus Fuck is your life. French you live and then you die. Cinema. Yeah, I yeah. get it. But at the same time, narratively in a film, it's a little like, meh. Like, it just, it feels like it, it doesn't have the, a through yeah. line that, or, or a, yeah, I, I know. And as much as I say that, at the same time, I go, yeah, that's the point, idiot. And I, I get it. It's just not satisfying. Well, it's And it's not, unsatisfying in an unsatisfying way. Yeah, it's not satisfying. And for an almost three-hour film, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Like, you, you need that through line for yeah. a three-hour movie. Yeah. You need it. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. In Forrest Gump, you don't even know what the through line is. But it doesn't. It shows up. It's been a while since I've seen it, but if what I remember, you don't really even know why you're learning or why you're hearing this man's story yeah. or why, where it's going. But by the time it gets to the ending, it all feels like it made sense. And well, it was I mean, I think that's probably, again, I did. but that's probably life, another but. thing that made it feel unsatisfying to us, though, because the reason that we're hearing Benjamin's story is so that what's her face can find out he's her dad. Yeah. But that wasn't a moment for us. No, it was a it silly fizzled. moment. We yeah. laughed. We laughed at you're 100% right because it is an interesting narrative idea to have. I can see the mother. She keeps that secret from her daughter for her whole life. And at that moment, deciding this is when I'll tell her, I'll explain it to her. And I can I even in this in while watching the movie thought, you know, it makes sense to tell her this way. Because mm-hmm. it gives her all of the context yeah. of why you never told her about this before. Yeah. If you tell her Benjamin's whole life and everything that he's been through up until the moment where they had you and then he left, mm-hmm. it puts a lot of context on it that makes it, I don't know if it's easier to swallow, but it, it at least for her right. character yeah. gives it some context other than, oh, by the way, your dad's this guy who aged backwards and uh, he left when you were a kid because uh, he didn't think he could grow up and raise you properly because he would be, I would have to raise him. Like, it would be ugh, nonsense, but if you do it, <laughs> if you'd have her read this journal about his whole life, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But again, the reveal of that moment, which is maybe the most pivotal thing, that reveal of when she finds out should have been much more, uh, it should have impacted us in a way where that wasn't laughter. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And if they would have done that better, it could have turned the whole film around into a very uh, heartwarming, or not even heartwarming, but a very interesting study of uh, of life's journey and context and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, the relationships between parents and that sort of thing. But it, it kind of fa- completely failed at the single key point that it needed to achieve to make all of it work. Yeah. I think. I don't know. All um, right. That's my to... theory. Um, yeah. 
Okay, uh, okay, a couple more. We're, well, this is good though. We're we're doing like all of our general discussion yeah, right, during yeah. this, which is fine. Uh, we're just getting it all out of the way here. Um, this is uh, uh okay, and this I you alluded to earlier, but Kate Blanchett's character is she in the book Daisy? Um, no. Is, um, is there somebody like her in the book? Not really. No. Really? He There's does, not like a love interest that comes well, and he, goes. He, no, he does have a wife at one point, but it's completely different. Okay. It, like, so just, her, yeah, her name is Hildegard. And Hildegard? It's the twenties. Well, actually, it's in not movie? in the. It's not the twenties in the story. It's set like, um, around the Civil War. So yeah, they moved it forward. Yeah, they moved it forward. Um, so that they can have the sweet ending where I it's know, Katrina, <laughs> right? Um, for no I reason. Why, what was the point? Um, no reason. <laughs> And that's one of those, like, M. Night Shyamalan, not even twists, yeah. but just, like, because it's, I mean, if you, like, I, we it didn't... It was topical, I yeah. guess. I guess, I, I, I think if you had seen it in 2008, we would have put it together really quick. Right. But since it's so far removed, we're, like, you know, they're talking about a like, hurricane okay, throughout the a film. Hurricane. It's just a hurricane, like, whatever. Okay. And then, I, I guess we could have put it together with the fact that the whole story takes place in New Orleans, but we also just weren't really paying attention. I mean, well, we're I mean, but there are hurricanes in New Orleans all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. it's in the Gulf of Mexico. I right. <laughs> right. And so it was just like, but then, yeah, there's no reason. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. Uh, again. Other than there's a line throughout the film where people go, a storm is coming. Well, throughout the whole life of Benjamin Button, a storm is coming. But much like the clock, it works thematically. Yeah. But has nothing to do with the story narratively. No, not at all. Other than people get to say a storm's coming, and then it does eventually forever later, and the f- clock gets flooded even though it already stopped running because Benjamin was already dead. That was another thing that bothered me about the, like, if the hurricane had flooded the clock and that was, like, the moment Benjamin died, I don't even, I, but does it? It's just he's already dead <laughs> at this point. Like, what is the point? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, like, know. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so Daisy's character, yeah. not in the story, not in the book. Um, what, do you have another one? Yeah, I have one more. So she, she's, yeah, okay. Um, my guess was just that she was, like, mentioned, but wasn't, like, the same through-line character that mm. she was. But apparently, no. Uh, last one is Lightning Guy, and I'm 100% no, positive he's, he's not, not in there. Him. Okay. That's a, I think that's actually based on a real guy. Is it? That I think, I think I vaguely remember this when I was looking up the trivia about this film, was them saying that that character is based on a real person that was, like, hmm. struck, like, a bunch of times by lightning. And those were I liked that through line as the the as just like a joke relief every now and then yeah. of like I thought that was interesting. Did um, we see all seven? Were you counting? I think we did. I think we did. Okay, I'm pretty sure we did. Um, and it, you know, there's some irony or or I don't know if irony is the right word, but in the fact that uh, so many people in Benjamin's life come and go or die, mm-hmm. and uh, the one guy who's there. Through the whole film, is the guy who's been struck by lightning seven times. You know, like yeah. the unluckiest person <laughs> in the world happens to live longer than like anybody else in the movie. Yeah. So you know, whatever. I I kind of get what they're going for, and it, it added some humor at moments throughout the film that was desperately needed, but um, or some levity. But that's it for uh, was that in the book? Because like I said, I pretty much got out of the yeah. way with the first one. Anything? Answer no. Moving along. <laughs> Lost in adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, is it lost? Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. This one isn't so much 
anything I was confused about. Again, because since I knew there's not much you're going to be able to expand upon. Uh, yeah. This was more a question about the movie that we can discuss. I am. Maybe lost in, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I have the right word for it, but because it, it, it wasn't adapted. The, so the car accident is what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. The, the scene where Daisy gets hit by a car. Um, I'm Since that character wasn't in the book, I'm going to say that moment wasn't in the book. No. The car accident, or has that ever no. happened to a wife mm-hmm. or a friend? Or nope. No, okay. Um, so in the film, if you haven't seen it, uh, Daisy, uh, who is a dancer, mm-hmm. Daisy is his love interest throughout the movie that he meets when he's a little kid, and she's a little kid. She's like six years younger than him, or roughly. Uh, but they meet when they're young, and they're friends throughout, and then they see each other every now and then, and then she comes and she goes, and she goes to New York to be a dancer, and he, she comes back, and they, you know, on and off again, sort of... Yeah unrequited love thing until they finally uh, marry and I don't even know if they get married but move they into an apartment together move in together and have a kid blah 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 etc cetera, etc cetera, and then he leaves her um, but at one point when she's a dancer she gets hit by a car in London Paris Paris, Paris. yeah um, and they do this whole uh, butterfly effect sequence <sighs> or the uh, uh, for Jurassic Park fans this is the uh, chaos theory yeah. Type of thing where it's if any one little chain in the event, yeah, and in the in the day's changed. events changed it all, she wouldn't have been hit by this car, right? Which sure, cool. I'm I'm over that narratively. My question and problem with the scene was that so this whole movie is, and I didn't even mind it from a filmmaking perspective. I know you had problems with it, but I I thought it was fun and it, I say fun, I thought it was interesting and well executed and enjoyable to watch. And I, we all knew where it was going. It maybe went on a little too long. I won't disagree there, but my problem was from a writing perspective, I think in that. So the rest of the film we're hearing and they make a big point of this is that she is uh, the daughter, Benjamin Button's daughter, mm-hmm. is reading his journal. Yes. And whenever his it's his words written in a journal, mm-hmm. and because we have scenes where she's reading it out loud and then it transitions to his voice mm-hmm. reading his journal, r- recounting events that happened to him in his life. And then, and that's the whole movie. But then all of a sudden, in this one scene, for some reason, he's omniscient. Yeah. He knows everything that happened, even stuff that he couldn't have possibly known. Yeah, I was so confused. I was like, wait, so, okay. Why are you doing it in his voice? Because, I, I, there, I mean, what other voice could they have used? But yeah. but at the same time, I was like, well, every other, this makes no sense in, with the, yeah, like, within line of what we know about this world. He has never been omniscient. No. He has never known anything about anything other than his life. He has only been telling his story. All of a sudden, he's telling about some woman leaving, going to a bakery and getting a thing, and then... Yeah, and then, and then the truck driver, and the, then the friend breaking the shoelace, and the... Yeah. All of these events that, yeah. that it, literally, he becomes an omniscient narrator... Now, like, conceivably, I guess he could have asked Daisy about the shoelace. Yeah, there are... But that doesn't cons- that doesn't excuse all the other stuff. No, there are elements, and then I... I and I started thinking about it the whole time. There are elements that, yeah, okay, maybe she said, oh, my friend broke... Like, maybe he could piece together some of it. But there are tons of things where it's like, unless he, like, everybody involved was... Yeah. ...questioned by the police in extreme detail and, like... But so and then I had to. Pull, but that was distracting me the whole time. Plus, on top of that, it goes on way too long. 
Because by the time we're just like, we know what's going well, on. Well, yeah, that, that scene, to me, that scene is like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a poll quote, because I don't know the movie term for it. Um, it's like a, a poll quote when you pull a quote out of something that like exemplifies the whole oh, article. Right. Um, so for me, that scene was like a poll quote that exemplified I the mean, other microcosm is the, the a microcosm. Yeah. Sure. Um, so similar to how we um, had a problem with the big reveal yeah. of the daughter being his. It been, yeah, Benjamin's, Benjamin's daughter. daughter because we saw it coming a mile away. Yeah. And similar to how this movie stretched on and on and on, this scene also stretched on and on and on. He goes through every single thing, every little minute detail that happens leading up to her getting hit by the car and then goes through them again. Yeah. And saying how they could be slightly yeah. different and then she wouldn't get hit by the car. And the whole time, I'm like, we all know where this is going. Yeah. We all know what's going to happen. So can you please just get to the point? Yeah. I think it went on a little too long. I'll only disagree in, in the sense that I, I I mean, that was 100 percent on purpose that, you know, where it's going. Uh, it, it's the inevitability of the moment. It, sure. that's, it, part of that, it, it comes across in the filmmaking uh, by you knowing what's going to happen uh, and it, it being this thing where you're like, oh, we know what's going to happen. But it does get to a point where. You, you, it's writing a, you, there's this thing where you have to write a fine line in filmmaking between being something that's, that's, I don't want to say bad on purpose, but, uh, unsettling or uncomfortable or, mm-hmm. or, or, um, distracting on purpose because it's making you think about, or it's making you experience the emotion you're supposed to feel in that moment. Like we talked about earlier with, um, when we talked about earlier that his story has an unsatisfying ending. Right. That's on purpose. Yeah. Because, Thus is life, as the French say, or whatever the fuck, say lovey, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, it's you have to write a fine line between something being unsatisfying on purpose because that's the point, yeah, and it just being unsatisfying. And this one tilted up because that was a lot of people, and I don't want to get into a whole sidetrack about The Last Jedi, but we that was a big problem a lot of people had with a lot of the stuff that happened in The Last Jedi was that a lot of the reveals and, and the answers that they got were unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. And now, to me, that was obviously the point uh, about a lot of them. And for me, it worked, and I didn't find them unsatisfying in a way that was unsatisfying. Uh huh. In this one, I found some of the things, like the like the sort of fizzling at the end, unsatisfying, unsatisfyingly. And the same thing with the this moment. Well, to me, this moment, it like. It's supposed to be building that kind of suspense, and, I, and I'll, I'll cede to your point that we are supposed to know where it's yes, going. Yes, it's the inevitability of... But yeah. I, I think it rode past suspense into annoying. Yeah. I agree, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There's a fine line. There is yeah. a fine line they're trying to write, and they failed, I think, on a couple points here where... Uh, where they just went too far one direction and it just made the movie not yeah. click or work in the way that they hoped it would. I mean, well, I mean, according to us, it fucking got nominated for Best Picture, but who knows what else was nominated that year. I mean, it lost to No Country for Old Men, which is a vastly superior film. So, The only other thing I have about this moment is that is, is he making it up? 
Maybe. For his journal. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe it's like a creative license that's kind what, of a that's, thing. That's the only other thought I had about it yeah. to, to kind of square well, it I think narratively. that's the only rational explanation. Is that he sort of created this like um, fantastical, I don't say fantastical, but this weird narrative around this moment. Yeah. Uh, because it ultimately is the thing that kind of brings them together. Yeah. Kind of. Um, because she stops dancing and comes right. back to America and that sort of thing. So he maybe crafted this whole narrative on it that that he uh, wrote down, but it's not actually what happened, really. Or maybe, maybe it is, but it's you know, it's that's the yeah. only. I'm just trying to you know <laughs> throw out an alternative hypothesis for this scene that makes no sense uh, in the film. But. And I think the idea that he just made it up makes the most sense. Yes, yeah. it has. To, I mean, it has to yeah. be because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Right. But at least then, that like, makes some sense. Why? All right. Done with that. Let's move along better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Okay, so if you watched or watched, (laughs) if you listened to our prequel episode for this episode, um, I had an interesting little tidbit um, that apparently F. Scott Fitzgerald, the author of this story, called it the funniest story ever written. Yeah. And His I, own story. Yeah. Funniest story ever written. Yeah. I think he oversold it. I, I don't know. haven't read the short story, but based on the movie we watched... <laughs> Boy, did he ever. I didn't like I can see because the, the story itself is kind of satirical yeah, in a way. I, that's kind and, of and I can see that. And I can see also how um, an audience in a previous time period would have found it more humorous. Yes, I, I agree with all of this. Yes. But I, I didn't think it was that funny. No, no not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. It's um, funny because they don't they don't. The movie doesn't think it's funny at all. The movie no. plays it, and I think <laughs> the, the movie, movie takes it very seriously. And I think that's rightfully so because I think it is an interesting play on the idea of aging and uh, and and mortality and how uh, you know playing with the idea that you know because kind of when we get to the end of the movie that his um, child like him is very similar to what we would consider like a senile old person. Right. And it they, they're yeah. very similar. And, and so I get, you know what I mean? I get what they're doing and I think it actually works in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think they needed a stronger overall narrative to tie that or to use this um, conceit within, mm-hmm. but I, I get what they were doing and I think it's an interesting thing to do. And I think they did it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think doing it serious is the right way to do it. Cause I don't think it would play funny. Like I, I no, <laughs> I don't think it would play funny, at least with modern audiences. I don't I don't think so. OK, um, so there's just a, a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, one is kind of a, a big, like, thematic change okay. that they made from book to movie, um, which is that in the movie, um, he. I'm even going to explain this when he's when he appears old. Um, yeah, when he's young. Yeah, when he's young, but he appears to be old. Um, he like wants to be in a younger body, 
like he acts young even though he looks old. Right. Um and like people insist on treating him like he's an old man. Right. Um but in the book he's born an old man. Oh, like mentally? And he acts like an like he's not like senile, but, but like he acts like an old man. Like he prefers to like sit around and do old man things. Oh, interesting. Um, but people insist on trying to treat him like he's young. Like Weird. his his parents like give him toys, and they're like, "You have to play with these toys because you're only three, even though he's like seventy. Huh. So I don't know that it's really an issue of like that it was better either way because it's just so it's different. different. Yeah, it's vastly it's just wildly different. But I, I think it's making like kind of different commentary. It is, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I will say this: that with the story they had wanted to tell with the movie, and this because this is a problem—not say a problem—but one of the things we discussed is that they had to they had to make in the film they had to make him a child in an old man's body. Right. Because he's like, I don't want to say and flirting is not the right word, but he's, uh, he's infatuated with a, that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Well, he's infatuated with a a 10 year old Daisy or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's already kind of weird and off putting in the film, but if he were acting like an old man, yeah. Also within that, because it's similar, I don't want to get again, too sidetracked, but it's similar to the idea of uh, Shape of Water to an extent where you have to look past what you're seeing. Right. He is a child like this yeah. in the film. He is he yeah. his mental his 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 mind is that of a an eight year old or a ten year old whatever however old he is. Um, he's six years older than her, so he's that doesn't make any sense. They say he he is six years older than her, but that moment when they're playing. And like under the table in the yeah. film, she's like ten. He would have to be sixteen, yeah. and there's no way he's no. sixteen in that moment. Come no. on, you movie. <laughs> but anyways, regardless, whatever. Let's say they're both ten in that scene. That scene, yeah, hundred percent. It was already, but so it, it makes us go, yeah, okay. He's got to look past the fact that he looks like a creepy old man. Mm-hmm. He is a six-year-old or a nine-year-old, or, yeah, and him, whoever. him playing and and you know flirting in the way eight-year-olds do or whatever, isn't weird, even though it seems like it is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and so they kind of had to do it that way for the film because if he was an old man, then it's it is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that was the other thing that I did want to touch on. Okay, because sorry. It, it, the, I think the thing with him and Daisy is interesting. Um, it, it is a little creepy it is. in those first it is. moments. I don't disagree. Um, I think it's it, on purpose. It's, but. Yeah, it is. And it, it is definitely more engaging than what happens in the book. Because um, what happens in the book <laughs> is uh, when he is like, I guess... He is like fifty, okay. So like, how however many years he's been alive is like I don't know. Wait, so you're saying or something? Oh, so he's twenty. He just he's looks 20, fifty. He looks fifty, but he also oh, acts right, fifty. Right, I forgot about that book. Yeah. Right. Um. He marries a much younger woman, 
Oh, I guess they're the same age, but he's acting like he's 50. So he marries this woman who's like in her 20s um, and is great for a while. And then she's getting older and he's getting younger and basically like gets bored with her um, and like shuffles her off somewhere to live by herself. And he goes out and has a fun time. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, movie is more engaging it's more interesting to watch. Um, but I, I thought the kind of the commentary of the story was a little more interesting and biting. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it's funny because I think they also... It's interesting because I feel like they try to play it both ways a bit in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that part of the reason he leaves... Uh, after they have their child, uh-huh. is that he, they make the big point of the you know you you shouldn't have to raise both of us or whatever. Yeah, and and they do sort of play it like he is sort of having like those young, right? Almost not rebellious, but like um exploratory years. Yeah, in his. 50s or 60s or 70s or however old he's supposed to be when he's you know looks like he's 30 or whatever mm-hmm. um but very cl- er, very clearly early in the film he's playing like he is uh whatever age he is physically and not whatever age he resembles is the age he acts mm-hmm. like when he's an, a little tiny old man on the porch in a wheelchair He's looking at little kids playing in the yard, right. wishing he could go play yeah. with them. Um, but there seems feels like there's a moment later where he 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 kind of it kind of switches almost. Yeah, and actually that kind of happens in the story oh, okay. too, because he acts the age that he looks until he starts to like get more into like his teens. and he starts to like really go backwards, and it's meant to mirror. Um, the way that when you get old, people stop taking you seriously. Okay. The same way that they don't take younger people kid, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's meant to, like, draw a parallel. Yeah, yeah um, and they do the same thing kind yeah. of inverse in the film. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's got to be a really confusing thing to write about. Yeah. And I don't. I, yeah. mm. That's why you only wrote 20 pages. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> couldn't do. Couldn't go super in-depth with it because it gets a little, uh, little confusing. All right. Is that it for Better in the Book? Yeah. All right, let's move along to Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. So they killed off his mom in the movie. Yeah, when she, um, she dies giving She birth. dies, yeah, childbirth. Um, that decision makes sense because uh, in the story... His mom literally vanishes from the narrative oh. after giving birth. She's just never mentioned again. And does the dad do the same thing? No, he doesn't oh. abandon him. He uh, begrudgingly raises him. His dad, like, hates him um, until they're the same age. <laughs> and then they get along. And then they, I guess his dad dies. I don't know. He kind of vanishes, too, at some point. Yeah. Um, so I thought that made sense, I guess, to do that, especially if you're going to kind of get rid of the dad, too. Yeah. Um, 
I liked that they had him living in an old folks home. Yeah, that was a fun. I thought that so that's was not in the book hilarious. No, that's no, not that's a really yeah, that's a clever idea. Yeah. I thought it worked really well. So that whole that all none of that like uh Mrs. uh I can't remember his name. His actual well, the woman who raises him in the film. Yeah. She's not in the book at all. No, um Queenie. Yeah, Queenie. No, sure. she's not in the book at all. Um but actually that brings me to my next point. Um so in the story there is some uh racist stuff in the book. Yes, in the book. Um, so I said earlier that it's set, uh, Civil War-ish. Right. It's, it starts like right before the Civil War and then I think the war happens while he's like a kid slash old man. Right. Um, and then the rest of it is obviously post-Civil War. Um, but there's this moment right at the beginning of the story where the father is bringing him home from the hospital and uh, they walk past the slave auction blocks and there's a line where the dad is like, for a moment he wished his son was black. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) Oh no, Fitzgerald. (laughs) I, well, isn't Fitzgerald a notoriously a racist asshole? I don't know. I've only I read The Great Gatsby. Have, I mean, probably. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not. It's not. Nope. I was thinking of bit out of the realm of possibility. Correction. I was thinking of Francis Scott Key, the dude who wrote our national anthem. Oh yeah, he was super racist. Yes. Sorry, F. Scott Fitzgerald, <laughs> Francis Scott F. Key. F. Scott Fitzgerald. I don't know, but probably. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um. Everybody back then was a little yeah. racist. I, I, mean, I mean, we're all probably still. A little he does racist. call it a horrible moment, but I'm like, what? Why? This doesn't add anything to the story. I mean, I guess it makes his dad more of a douche, but yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so what was interesting to me was that I almost felt like the movie was trying to like mitigate the racism that's present in the short story. Yeah. And and I think it is debatable because all of the characters of color are poor working class caretakers, etc. But they're definitely positive characters. They're positive characters and you you have to it, to me it's treading a fine line with the time period. Yeah. I think it's tough. I don't I don't want to say you can't have non-poor, <laughs> uneducated people of color right. in those type in that era of stories. There were some, right? Because non-poor, educated people of color did ex- exist Existed. in our history. Sure, it just wasn't the norm. It was super. It was pretty rare. I don't know how rare it was, but it was relatively rare, and it was definitely much more common. and And it would be much more likely, and 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 especially in the narrative that they're using, where they're running like they're like. She's like yeah. the caretaker of an old folks home, right. and her, her, her boyfriend slash husband is yeah. uh, and in the like deep the cook. South too. And they're in the south. Yeah, they're in yeah the deep south. It 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 makes sense for them. I think it's a again, it's not my place necessarily to say, um, but I I think it's a a fairly reasonably uh, positive portrayal given the circumstances, if that's the right way to say it. Like yeah. given. We're in New, uh, Louisiana in the 1920s. Yeah. 
they're 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 uh, they're smart. They're educated. Even within the the the, the sort of um, lesser roles yeah. in society that they have as like a cook at an old folks home or whatever the as Tizzy yeah, does or caretaker. And then her, she's like the caretaker, uh, Queenie. They have they they kind of go out of their way to make it clear that there's a lot more to these people right. than just yeah. being the caretaker yeah. or being the cook. They're they're much more nuanced and interesting people yeah, no, and smarter definitely. people than you would maybe attribute to something of that like uh, somebody doing that job. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's I, I, I I do think that they're positive characters. I'm just saying it, it, it is something we could debate. Yeah, as we yeah. just did. Yeah, as, um, as we did. Yeah. But I did I did think it was interesting because it seemed to me almost like a conscious effort to mitigate yeah. the racism that's present in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. On a side note to that, this is the first David Fincher film I've seen. Maybe seven. It's been a while. That didn't give me weird misogynist vibes. <laughs> Not, no, I, I'd have to think about it, but I don't I don't think I really ever felt. The only thing that felt a little weird and it wasn't misogynist so much as it was apologetic for dudes. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word. Um, it felt like uh, Benjamin's dad got off the hook a little easy in terms of his. Of what he did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And sort of like, now Benjamin doesn't just like forgive him and is fine with it. There's a falling out and a. Yeah. And that sort of thing. But it felt a little like we were supposed to be a little too sympathetic for his character. Yeah. Given that he left his baby on a step and has no idea if it was even alive. Well, and you know what I think would have helped with that? Um, when Queenie's character finds out about his father and she immediately gets angry. Yeah. I think had she been given her platform in that moment to say her piece, I think that would have helped Yeah, with that issue. Yeah. Because she starts to say it and she kind of gets, in that moment, she gets portrayed as like angry, crazy woman. Yeah. And then she kind of doesn't she immediately not immediately but well, she, she gets she gets shushed after yeah. a minute like I don't remember exactly what happens Isn't she like sleeping or something but there's like, oh yeah he like leaves the room or tells her to go to bed or something yeah but he's mad but I feel like she tells him to forgive him or something I could be wrong I don't I remember. Been a while. I say it's but been she a while. gets she yesterday. gets mad though yeah she does yeah um and I th- I think that it would have helped um, to mitigate that had she been given a proper platform yeah. and been allowed to say her piece. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that would have helped. And again, it wasn't a huge thing because, like I said, he's he's definitely very clearly like he doesn't just like immediately forgive him or like. Right. And, and there is something to be said about, you know, that journey and, and him sort of realizing his and coming to terms with his guilt. I just didn't, we didn't really, it felt like we didn't really ever really see him have to deal with it that much. I know, I agree. Yeah. And so it just felt a little like, he felt like a little too sympathetic or like we were supposed to like him more than we should given, given the fact that that he left his child for dead. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. That was the only thing in the whole movie. And I'm sure there's something else, but that was the first, the thing that hit me, I was like, that, feels a little weird but anyways okay all right well that's it for better in the movie we're about to get 
to the final verdict. But before we do, we have a couple loose ends to tie up. So let's do that right now. Okay, so the book that I checked out from the library to read this story in is like a got like extra stuff in it it's not a textbook but it almost is yeah um so one of the things that was included with the story was a short anonymous letter that someone wrote to f scott fitzgerald um after reading this story in the literary magazine that it originally appeared in and (laughs) this letter is funnier than the entire story all right then so here we go sir I have read the story Benjamin Button in Collier's, and I wish to say that as a short story writer, you would make a good lunatic. I have seen many pieces of cheese in my life, but of all the pieces of cheese I have ever seen, you are the biggest piece. (laughs) I hate to waste a piece of stationery on you, but I will. (laughs) Well, then. Who's that guy? I want to know that guy. Probably Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Mark fucking Twain. <laughs> they were alive at the same time, right? No. Was he after? I don't know. I think Gatsby, or not Gatsby. I think, uh, I think he was after. Fitzgerald was after. Wasn't he? Wasn't Fitzgerald like the like late 1800s, early 1900s, and Twain was the early 1800s? He was jazz era. Yeah, like the early 1900s. Okay, Mark Twain lived until 1910. Yeah, I feel like. And F. Scott Fitzgerald was born in 1896. So he probably didn't write this. Probably not, yeah. After Twain was dead. Yeah, okay. Oh, well. Still sounds like something Twain would write. <laughs> I'm just going to believe that it was yeah. Mark Twain. <laughs> From beyond the yeah. grave. I feel like if anyone could resurrect themselves to, to write, write a sassy, a sassy fucking sassy letter. up of F. Scott Fitzgerald, it's Mark it's fucking Mark Twain. Twain. <laughs> true facts. Oh, true facts. All right. Uh, the only other thing I had before we get on to the final verdict is... Um, one, this movie definitely deserved the Oscars it won for best makeup and best visual effects. This was 2008, um, and the vi- uh, the effects work they do to make Brad Pitt's head appear on a tiny little old man body mm-hmm. and with ti- old man makeup and is astounding. It blew my mind for like the first you know 45 minutes or however long he is that little like yeah. small old man. Um, because I, and, and what the thing that I could constantly was comparing it to in my head was Captain America, the first Avenger mm-hmm. or whatever the f- first one was called, where they put uh, Chris Evans' head on, on, the, on the tiny little shrinky body. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> it reminded me of that, but it honestly looked better than that. And mm-hmm. at the same time, they're making him look like an old man and, and not yeah. just like Chris Evans' head on a little body. Um. I was like wildly impressed by how they pulled that off and all the different things they must have done in terms of like uh, probably. And I think I mentioned this in a prequel episode, probably a lot of stuff like they did in Lord of the Rings, where it was sometimes body doubles with a CG head, sometimes Brad Pitt on his knees, sometimes forced perspective, all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. Uh, But 
the fact uh, that it yeah. was so like hard to tell and figure out what they were doing, I totally yeah, just, very very creative, very skillful. Yeah, it was really impressive, and that was the most interesting thing probably yeah. about the film. Yeah. So the little man baby was a little rough. I thought it, it just it, it, all I could think of every time I saw it was a uh, no, my Harry Potter trivia is leaving me Mandrake. <laughs> It all I could think of was a mandrake. Like a mandrake. <laughs> all I could think of was the creepy CG baby from Twilight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all I could think of was those little mandrakes when they pull them out of the pots oh, in the Harry Potter movies. But, uh, yeah. Uh, anything else before we get to Final Verdict? You had something. Um, I couldn't understand oh, the characters. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Southern accents were rough. One of my biggest pet peeves in movies, it is one of my biggest pet peeves in movies, is when I can't... And I, part of it might just be me, but I, there are a lot of times in movies where people have certain accents or or are an old person dying or mm-hmm. what just in, when, any moment, whatever it is. If I can't understand what they're saying, it drives me insane. Like it because it feels like you're missing really important. Yeah, especially like like when because early in the movie. Kate Blanchett on the deathbed. I assume it's a different actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it is Kate Blanchett and like tons of makeup, but it, to me, it looks like a like an yeah, older woman, to a, me different like a different actress. actress. Um, and when she's doing like that wheezing talking, mm-hmm. I'm like, I I feel like this is all super important, and I can't understand anything yeah. you're saying. No, we'll never know. And, we would need sub. She needed subtitles. Yes, she really did, and that's the thing. I was like, I, and I actually almost turned them on like two or three times. Like, can we just? I just need subtitles. And then the other one was uh, the Irish guy. I think yeah. he was Irish, right? Yeah. Uh, he's actually New, he's actually from New Zealand. That actor. Hmm. He's a. Uh, he's in. Um, I think he is. Or no, that's a different guy. That's a different guy. I was thinking of. Uh, the guy from Flight of the Concords, who's similar redhead with like a mm-hmm. silly over the top. But I, yeah, he plays the the guy who plays the Irish sailor, the tugboat captain in this film, mm-hmm. Mark Mark something, uh, Captain Mark. D- d- impossible to understand, yeah, like ninety no. percent of the time. And it's like, God, there, and especially because you even didn't realize it's funny, like a big like thematic moment of the film, where after the tugboat gets sunk in World War Two and everybody on the ship dies, other than uh, 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 Benjamin and one of the twins. Yeah, a, a a hummingbird flies up by the boat that Benjamin's on and looks at him and then flies like, away. And you were like, "What is that? Why? Why was that? Does that mean something?" And I was like, and I happened to catch the part or understand earlier when the captain was talking about how hummingbirds are super impressive and how fast they beat their wings, and he has one tattooed on his chest, and it was like this thing. But yeah, I mean, you couldn't really understand him. Yeah. I just was able to gather enough of the words to. <laughs> To figure out what he was saying. But anyways, all right. It's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. So this is a really hard one because I didn't particularly enjoy (laughs) either thing. (laughs) I had a feeling this was going to be the case. Um, So... What I'm going to do, I'm going to give it to the movie. Okay. And here's why. Okay. So the the short story um, is kind of, it was one of those stories that I would categorize as everyone is a twat. 
because all of the characters were awful. Okay. Like, none of them had any redeeming qualities. Yeah. But in the movie, people had redeeming yeah. qualities. Yeah, pretty much all of them had yeah. some redeeming qualities. Um, there were people I could kind of root for when yeah. I actually cared about what they were doing, yeah. which was not a lot, but... Um, so I'm going to give it to the movie for having characters with redeeming qualities. There you go. Chalk one up for the film, which is surprising because I don't <laughs> think either of us particularly liked this movie, <laughs> but suck it, F. Scott Fitzgerald. You racist old ass <laughs> hat. racist old asshole. <laughs> um, I guess one day we'll have to do the Gatsby. There's a, several yeah. Gatsby films. No, we're going to have to do the Gatsby. I've never seen the Leonardo DiCaprio. I haven't one. either. I think I did see the... The one from like the sixties or whatever. There was one like in There's oh, a, like a Robert Redford. Yeah, one. I think I watched that one in high school. Yeah, maybe. probably. I, I would kind of rather do the the new the one. New one. Uh, me too, because I heard it's really different. So yeah. Yeah, it'd be wild. All right. Uh and I've <laughs> actually read uh, I don't remember anything about it, but I have read Gatsby in high school or middle school or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, none of that is the point. Chalk it up. Film <laughs> wins. Before we go, Katie, what's next on the old docket? What is next? Well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to do this. I'm going to plug some stuff. First, check us out on Facebook. Just search This Film is Lit on Facebook. Subscribe there where we post pictures, sometimes videos, articles, that sort of thing related to the books slash movies we are talking about. Check us out on Twitter where we do the same thing at This Film is Lit. We also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash this film is lit where we have posts pertaining to all of our episodes where if you want to discuss that's probably the best place if you want to argue or discuss or talk about any of the books or films we've reviewed or disagree with us you agree with us anything like that let us know on there on the relevant post we also have a goodreads page this film is lit on goodreads where we keep a running tally of whether the book or the film wins I don't know what the score is right now, but you can go on Goodreads and find out. It's like 4 to 10 or something like that. Books, or film to book, 4 film four film to book, yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. <laughs> well, now it's 5 to 10, so. <laughs> and finally, before we get to the next step, or what the next episode's going to be, do us a favor, go to iTunes, Stitcher, and currently Google Play as well. Give us a rating, give us a review. Five stars, if you please. If not, that's fine. Just don't rate us. But <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, but yes, uh, it's a really big help whenever you write uh, reviews or give us ratings on any of those platforms. Helps bump us up eventually. If you know, we have around two hundred listeners ish per episode, roughly more, uh, give or take. We get we get about two hundred downloads. Within a couple of days when we drop a new main episode, mm. if 10% of those people, one in 10 of them went out and gave us a rating and a review on iTunes, we'd probably end up in new and noteworthy or trending or whatever it's called. And then all of a sudden we'd have a bunch more people listening. So yeah, that would be really cool. Be one of those 10 people <laughs> if you haven't already. There's, you know, a handful of you that have, but we have way more listeners than have reviewed us or rated us. So go, go do that. Go be your best self. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Katie, what are we doing next? All right. Up next, we are doing something that we have not done yet, which is review a movie currently in theaters. Well, it's not currently in theaters yet, but it will be. 
Will it be? By the time we do, it's not what you're thinking. Okay. By the time we do um, oh, yeah. the next main episode. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, we're doing A Wrinkle in Time. Yes. Wrinkle in Time. Which is a book that I read as a kid, and I don't know how you missed it, because it's sci-fi. I legit had never heard of it. I don't know how Until I found it. out they were making a movie. I was like, what is this? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either, <laughs> but I had never heard of it. But that's the next episode, A Wrinkle in Time. It's going to be real time. Listen to our episode and then go see it in theaters. See how it compares to the book. But until that time, keep reading books. Keep watching movies. Keep being your best self, just like our adorable cat. <laughs> Albus is always his best self. The worst self doesn't exist for That's Albus. True. That is very He's true. always amazing. We'll see you on the next episode, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Bye-bye.